0: This is a West Wimmera Health Service podcast, presented by me, Brigitte Muir. A life. This series focuses around stories and issues related to health and well-being. Some of the people we hear from are sharing their stories, hoping that their experiences will help us with our own health and well-being. Please be aware that some of their life experiences may touch on issues that are sensitive to some. Please listen with care. You will find information on seeking help if you need it in the notes attached to each episode. Kelly Barnes was born in the south of England. She now lives in Dunkeld with her dog. In 2020, Kelly received the Victorian AgriFutures Rural Women's Award for her work on linking mental health and training your dog. How did that come about?
1: Originally travelling, I, I went to New Zealand and travelled and then came to Australia for um, originally a couple of weeks, eh, for a year and then just kept coming back and I've been here permanently since
0: 2011. Not just to Australia, but to rural parts of Australia and with a dog. That's
1: right. I think I really missed having my dog that I'd left behind in England and I was working on sheep properties and I just really missed having my own dog. So when I was backpacking, I did get myself a slack and tan working dog called Dougal and it went from there, didn't it? That's right. Dougal and I have been on quite a journey. He was with me for 14 years, 14 and a half years. We traveled around Australia, worked in WA and he's been everywhere with me. He recently passed away in August. Oh. Yeah, so that's been quite a challenging, I guess a challenging time, but also a really nice time to kind of reflect back and um and look at his journey and, and our journey together and how much he meant to me, you a kind of nice reflection. And I think with all the The Royal Women's Award, um, media and things, I've got a really nice legacy for him as well. I've created this project and a a legacy for him to celebrate his life. So yeah, a nice, a bittersweet, but nice side to it.
0: How did Dougal give you the idea of starting a dot school for mental health?
1: I spent a lot of time with Dougal everywhere. And then he he always used to, because we were backpacking, he'd come everywhere with us, my friend and I. And then once we settled, he would come to work in the shed. So I was working in the shearing sheds at the time. So he would come with me or he'd go with my friend to help. And then he got injured. So he got hit by a car and had a yeah, you know, had a had a bad leg and a few injuries. And then I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia in two thousand and fifteen. So chronic pain and fatigue. We just then kind of transitioned from spending every day working together to spending time at home on the couch and he would be there with me when I was not feeling very great and with his rehab and things that encouraged me to get out and do some exercise and just gently get moving and the same vice versa. So we kind of morphed into this chronic pain buddies and from working buddies to um yeah, sitting at home on the couch and spending time together. And I just really, yeah, looking back, reflected on how much Having him with me and going through that with me was a help. So then I sort of got thinking, well, you know, if if my dogs can bring that much comfort to me. And I really struggled, obviously, when I came here and didn't have my own dogs with me. Perhaps there's something with that with farmers and nearly every farmer that works stock has got a dog. So maybe there's something in that because there's a lot of information out there about therapy dogs and psychiatric assistance dogs. And then you've got this massive untouched resource on farms that people could look at in a different way. So it sparked the the
0: idea. How did you go about finding people to go on the one pilot project you've had so far?
1: I really wanted this broad range of people. So um, yeah, lots of different outlets to try and attract that broad range of people. But within roughly within, I think I said 100 Ks, but sort of Reasonably local, so that they would form friendships and then stay friends after the program. So instead of bringing people from all over the country, that Prue wouldn't reconnect
0: afterwards. That's a good point. I was wondering about that.
1: Yeah, so I sort of advertised on local, say the local buy, swap and sell pages, the local farming pages on social media. But you're looking for guinea pigs. (laughs) And not guinea pigs, that's all... um, no, um, no, I don't know, not guinea pigs, just people to kind of, I guess, embrace it and enjoy the program, and and it was quite heavily funded by the award, so it was a really good opportunity for people to attend something that perhaps wouldn't afford to do another program similar to that.
0: And you had a very special person in charge of the dog training, didn't you?
1: Oh yes, Ian O'Connell. I had to pick someone that I guess someone that aligned with my values, that really kind of had that caring approach to their working dogs, and someone that would be quite, I, mean, I guess, kind of almost unoffensive, but just a really easy person to get on with because of the nature of what we're talking about and and trying to create that really safe environment. And Ian's yeah, Ian's great, and he's really experienced and really good to work with. What was your feedback from people who attended? They loved it one of my favorite statements, someone said it's a life-changing program. So I think it really gave them the confidence and the skills to continue with their work and learn new skills and also build their own confidence in training their own dogs. I think perhaps they weren't as confident prior to that. And the way the program was structured, so it's quite a, quite a different structure to any other program. So spending one day a month for six months so that you really build those skills gradually. And come back and, and we had a lot of debriefing and a lot of kind of working through challenges and, you know, what went right, but also what went wrong. How can we fix that? And and learning similar to mental health, like it's, it's not easy training dogs. It takes time. It takes a lot of work and it's that consistent, repetitive work that you're putting in. So just being able to kind of go through and
0: problem solve. Where did people get training for their dogs before that?
1: There's a lot of dog schools and they're really popular. Working dog schools. Working dog schools, yeah. yeah. But they're they're always sort of two days back to back or but very intense days. Once you left you didn't really know what to do, so you try a few things and, and have a go, but you then sort of needed to almost go to another one to kind of regain those skills and you'd met some really great people, but you're so busy trying to take everything in that you don't really have chance to kind of socialise and build friendships and connections either lots and lots of different people running dog schools but I guess not in that kind of continual follow up format similar to you know any kind of coaching and I guess that's what I really loved when I had to define my role in the in the program was that kind of coaching and teaching people the skills to to make habits and and really embed these things
0: in their day to day life do you know if people stayed in touch at the end of the program
1: yeah, yeah. So I think they've had um, one catch up that I know of um, with a few of them. And then I set up a Facebook group. So I set up like a, a messenger Facebook group for people to keep in touch with. And then everyone got everyone else's contact details. So, yep. um, yeah, it's really nice to see. I think there's definitely a lot of connections that have been That's made. Fantastic.
0: There. What's going to happen next? Are you going to be able to run those calls on a regular basis? I'm still trying to work out how that
1: works, I guess, for me. So the challenge with the reason it works so well is running it over six months, but that's the challenging thing is running it over six months. It's a big commitment for the dog trainer. It's a big commitment for me and um and for the participants. So I'm just juggling at the moment with different ways that I can do it. And the the value comes from having that consistency over six months. But is there the way that we can add the value in a shorter period or with less face-to-face contact. So maybe that becomes like an online component. I'm very much against the online side of it because I oh, we've all just been through two years of online and you just don't get the social connection. And the thing that I really wanted was getting people off farm, getting them out and about and meeting other people. So I'm really trying to transition that into a format that makes it accessible for other people. And it may be that it's a kind of train the trainer model so that I put a structure together that other trainers, so the dog trainers themselves can take on. Yeah, I'm sort of working through that. It's something that that's really common sense to me And I pick up on things and I've got that natural skill of facilitating and creating conversations and structuring the day in a certain way and um, really getting that social engagement that perhaps isn't everyone, you know, it's not obvious to other people. So it's going to just take a bit of work as to how if someone else takes it on, how do they ensure those things are happening? What bits are important? Or perhaps do you need to lay out a really solid structure and format? Or what are the bits that are really important? was invited up to up to the high country to a field day and I took my little dog Ashley who was she was about four months old at the time and another dog and we just stood there and had conversations and people would come up and ask for you about the dog and then we'd explain that we're talking about mental health and it just broke down so many barriers. So there's another element there which I want to explore of just, you know, take away the kind of structured school side of it the value of just having the dogs around and having those conversations and how having you know having a dog and can open up such a great conversation. So there's yeah, lots of different elements, lots of different ideas.
0: Not every person, farmer or not, treats their dog the same way though. For some people they just a tool living in the cage except when they need it. How do you deal with that?
1: I think it's a bit of a stigma or a bit of an old school thinking that you can't have your working dog in the house. You can't have your working dog. And I think that's an absolute load of rubbish. Back in the UK, I got this cream kelpie. He was young and he was just wild and he was, really, you know, full of attitude. And the best thing I ever did, purely for not knowing what else to do, but I had him, I bought him inside of an evening And it was always on a Friday night because I didn't have to get up the next day. And he'd come in and, you know, we would have Friday night on the couch. And he was so much different after that. And he just really needed to bond with me and have that relationship. And if you go back to ancient times, dogs were part of the pack. They're really designed to be part of your human pack. Everyone is going to treat their dogs differently to some degree. But it's just breaking down that stigma and, and making it okay that that is a living creature and that then becomes your work mate as, a, as opposed to just a tool that you put back in the cage and, and treat them in that way. So it's just really, I think, trying to kind of change people's thinking a bit and, and make it okay that they can have the dog with them and have the dog in the front of the ear if that's what you want to do and you know, really use that dog as a support. And that's where I guess that focusing on the, the therapy elements of those dogs and the other skills those dogs have.
0: And it sounds a lot healthier not just for the dog and the dog owner but also for the rest of the people on the farm that's
1: right and i think even for the livestock like once you learn to work your dog well once you have that really good bond you work in a lot calmer manner you're a lot less stressed there's probably people always joke about divorce in the sheepyards but the, you know there's a lot less argument uh, everything goes a lot better, and we all know stock thrive in a low stress environment. So the the new production's increased as well. So there's all these added benefits. That I think that you know the opportunities are endless for the the value of having a really good dog and having that really good bond.
0: Sounds all very exciting, and I can see lots of good things happening in the future. And I look forward to perhaps interviewing you in a year or two and seeing where the dog school went to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I uh, one thing I'm working on this year. So I have a young dog called Ashley, who um, is named after Ash Barty. She do by the way, She arrived at the, around the time of the Australian Open. <laughs> anyway, Ashley's just coming up twelve months. I'm gonna start training her to become a therapy dog. So she's a cream Kelpie. So she's yeah, she's kind of a little bit different looking and attracts people and yeah, just starts really good conversations. So. Hopefully, in in 12 months' time, Ashley will be much better behaved and, um, yeah, we're doing some great work. Lead by example. That's right. (laughs) And I'm more than happy to put my hands up and say, sometimes I'm not very good at training my dog or, you know, some things go wrong with me as well. So, um, yeah. And Ashley, talking about personalities, Ashley's bloodlines are really quite stubborn. So they're they're a very independent, stubborn line of dogs. So if you really want, you know, you've really got to work with that. She, she doesn't like being told what to do sometimes and there's no amount of telling her, we'll, we'll win her over and then the next day she'll be an absolute angel and do exactly what you want. So that's another lesson for me, I guess, of really working with that dog's strengths and, and those personality traits and, and really understanding that same as as humans. You now work with your strengths
0: yeah. and accept your weaknesses and do something about it if you can. That's
1: right. And sometimes you can't. Sometimes you just accept that you're not going to be very good at something, and that's okay.
0: It's absolutely okay. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Kelly. It's been yeah. wonderful.
1: That's all right, and you're welcome. Uh, every any time to talk about dogs is a great time.
0: <laughs> that was Kelly Barnes from Dunkeld Mental Health through your working dog advocate. You will find, as always, contact numbers and details in the notes attached to this episode. And while you're at it, please give us a star rating. We'd also love to hear your comments and suggestions. Our Facebook and Twitter details are in the notes. Until next, have a healthy life, won't you? Farmer wants a healthy life.